Welcome to Necessity. I'm Lindsay Jackson. And I'm Marguerite Pierce. Thanks for tuning in. I am ready to get right down to it, okay? Because okay. right, I'm on go. this, like, celebration mode and feeling really recharged about taking better care of my own myself, right? Okay. And my beauty uh, and my natural self because I just came back from Curl Fest. Oh, so yay. yesterday was my first Curl Fest experience. Shout out to their crew. Um, and it was amazing to see so many black and brown people they're celebrating their natural selves. There were so many afros and curly hair, braids, straight hair, uh, no hair. Right. Um, and then to bring my daughter, who's seven, to bring her along was really awesome. She has naturally curly hair, so we definitely moisturized that bad boy. <laughs> I regretted it the next day, of course, because combing out that hair is something serious. So right. you got to use that good detangler. Um so anyway, we're there at Curl Fest, and it was just great to have her witness mm-hmm. all this amazingness with the black and brown women and men that were there. I was surprised to see how many men were at Curl Fest because, again, it was my first time. So right. I'm assuming it's about curls and it's about, you know, just women. But there were a great, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think because um, the first time I went, I think it was it was about four years ago in 2015, and I don't remember seeing a lot of dudes there. Oh, no, so. there were dudes there, hmm. like, on dates. There were dudes there with, like, their lady and their well, children. because they knew there was going to be tons of uh, women there. Right? Well, yeah, well, I think it's smart, <laughs> you know. I'm not knocking their hustle. Go there. There were a lot of beautiful women there. And so I hope some matches were made because it was hot as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they had, you know, beverages, uh, lots of great food. But again, all the natural hair products, the lines were atrocious. Yeah. Like that shit? Yeah, no. No, no. I remember it being the same because they used to do it like because I know the way they set it up it has evolved dramatically because they used to do it in Prospect Park. Right. One. That's what I heard. And then um, when you show up. At a certain time, like, you got, like, a a baggie, like, a free bag of, Mm -hmm. like, tons of hair products. That's for VIP now. So you got to pay for a certain... mm -mm. That was just a given. Yeah, you get there at a certain time. You get there early enough before it runs out. Like, you got to grab that. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. No, you had to pay VIP to get that. I mean, I was able to grab a couple things, and it was only because the people that I came with were... Going on lines and waiting. Yeah, so they grabbed it. a couple extra, but I was just walking around watching all this beauty. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, definitely empowering space mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sparks like conversation even about hair and mm-hmm. acceptance, right? And being able to accept that you don't look like everybody else and your hair texture isn't like everybody else's. And it's interesting because I think in the recent years, like we've seen in news stories how um, little black girls are are being reprimanded because their hair isn't in a certain style. And I mean, even with the last couple of years with the military, Mm -hmm. at one point they were like banning cornrows or locks or styles that are... um, you know, associated, associated with, with black color. people. Right, yeah. exactly, pretty much. And so, like, we're seeing this, and that's why I think, like, Curl Fest and any other events like it just promote, just, ha- like, just celebrating 
what your natural texture is, no matter what it is. Correct. It's just celebrate it, and there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to change it. Right. And, you know, to help what everybody else thinks. And it's it's so crazy that you went to Curlfest and, like, just we're talking about hair textures and, and stuff like that because it makes me uh, remember uh, a couple months ago, Dexter and I, we were looking for preschools mm-hmm. to put Simone in. And we found this school, um, really great vibe. And we went to an informational session and we loved everything about it. And so they were like, okay, well, next up, bring Simone in for like a morning so that she can come and explore the classroom and and just kind of, you know, check it out for herself, right? So we're like, okay, we do that. This is like in April, so not too long ago. So, and we're allowed to stay in the classroom. Like, they just kind of tell us, like, sit in these little chairs and sit in the corner. Oh, like, no, like, two-way mirror? <laughs> that would be the shit. If yeah. I could do that? No, no, that would be interesting, too. Oh, I would. But we that. were in the space so that she could see us there, right? So we, we go in, and um, I'm like, okay, Simone, like, go ahead. You know, what do you what looks interesting? Go, go play. Whatever. So at first, you know, she's apprehensive. It's new space. Get it? But then she sees, like, some wooden blocks, Mm -hmm. right, the triangle ones, and they got all different shapes. And there are already these two little girls that are playing with the blocks. And so I'm like, okay, don't don't be shy. Like, just, you know, go over it. And, um, you know, this is important. I'm going to describe each girl, right, Mm because ordinarily it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. But one girl is about five. Um, and so let me back up. So this is a Montessori school. So they they group children um, from different age ranges. So the classroom we were in is a three to five classroom. Mm-hmm. So one one of the little girls that was playing with the box, um, she was about five years old, little black girl. Her hair was in cornrows, all the, straight back, right? Other little girl was a little bit younger. She's probably about four, maybe three and a half, four. Um, she's a little Indian girl. So like bone straight hair, right? But it was short. It wasn't long, but it was really straight. And so, you know, Simone comes over and, you know, she's she's playing and the little black girl says, oh, you can't play with us. And so I'm like, I'm just sitting, right? Because I'm sitting. Let's see what happens. Let's mm-hmm. see how this is going to play out. <laughs> and, and she continues and she's like, oh, and Simone continues to play. Like, she's she's just not really paying attention to the little girl. And that little girl is like, oh, yeah, you can't play with us because only people with good hair could play with us. That's crazy. I mean, not crazy, but because it, it's heard of, but it's crazy that it's happening. And they're how old? Five. five? She's like five. And so I'm sitting there, like, and Dex is sitting next to me. I look at him because I'm like, did you just hear this right. shit? Right, fire is coming. Uh, right, because now I'm like, right now, now I'm like, okay, I, you know, mama bear mode. I don't want my kids' feelings to be hurt, even though I'm not even certain that Simone even heard what the little right. girl said. Right, but your so, feelings are hurt. Yes, my feelings are hurt because I'm assuming that her feelings would be hurt or are hurt if she did hear what the little girl said. Right, so I get up and I go to the little girl and I'm like. 
what do you mean by good hair? Because I, because I, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it from a moment, a teachable moment, right. For this little, you're curious, girl, right? Like, I'm what do curious, you mean like, by what that? do you mean? Where the heck did this come from? Right, not like you were trying uh, to sorry. fight a five year old, yeah, right? You know, because that's not cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but at the mo- at the the exact moment that like the last word of my question came out of my mouth. The teacher had come over, like they rang a little bell, like it was now time for water break or whatever. And I was just right. like, oh, okay, we'll save by the bell, I guess. Um, and and it got Dex and I thinking about how do we prepare Simone for the various different opinions and maybe mean words that the world is going to hurdle at her once she steps out of our house, out of our house that's filled with love Love. and encouragement and compassion and um, instilling empathy, like all this stuff that we are very intentional of doing within our home, within our safe space. And, you know, I'm just like, well, well, you know, is there something specific that we should be doing to prepare her for people to say hurtful things? And, mm-hmm. you know, just recall a callback to like a episode that we did a little bit ago about the four agreements and right. how powerful words are, because I never want to be in a space to be at a loss for words and just tell Simone, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, ignore them, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> There's got to be a deeper way to address it and outside of just pure dismissal. Right, right, because that doesn't work. Because even though we dismiss it out loud, there's still interpretation that's going to be done by the kid. Right, right? exactly. That's just going to pick at them. Exactly. Right. So, you know, I... <sighs> It's just it's just a wild concept, and I you know it, it was just really bothering me, and it's still you know I'm still processing it, and I'm like, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like right. my kid is three, right? Like this, I mean, that. we're gonna be dealing with tons of other challenges down. I can I can you know from a realistic standpoint, I can fathom that, I can accept that that. But now this is the specific episode that this I'm dealing experience. with, right? right? This is this is the experience. Um, and I think about, you know, did you guys watch the the Chris Rock uh, right. Netflix span- tambourine. special tambourine? Right. And at one point, he talks about, like, his, his kids. kids being right. special. Right. And he says, you know, before they leave, he's like, you are not special. Like, as, as soon as you leave the door, nobody gives a shit about you. And he's dropping F-bombs. Like, nobody all cares. All over the place. He's like, nobody cares. We, you know, what... We barely <laughs> care in <laughs> here. In here. It's like a really <laughs> funny bit. Like, you guys should check it out. It's like a hilarious bit. But... And, you know, he goes to the extreme, but you you it's sit true. with it for a second and you're like, well, damn, Chris. You're right. I agree. Right? Because outside of this home... Nobody cares if your feelings are hurt, if you're being shy, or if you didn't get enough sleep in the morning. And nobody cares about any of that stuff when you think about little kids. I mean, nobody cares. And and I'm like, well, what can we do about it? Like, so that it doesn't destroy the person who we're building up in right. the house. Like, to, to build them up to a point where they can withstand some of the criticisms or some of the 
um, negative experiences that are going to come their way. Right, right. And it's wild because it's like, how can you prepare them? Is it that you build grit, right? How do you help them build grit? Is it exposure, Right. Because think about it, you know, back with the civil rights movement, they would prepare Mm. by then degrading each other, saying negative things, yelling in each other's faces, you know, saying the things that we knew that white people would say to us once we went out there to protest. Right. 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 So it was like all that exposure. Right. Helped you prepare. So do you expose your kid? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so because there are people who do it and then their children have some grit. Now, they don't have emotion management. Right. But they have grit. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I'm not encouraging any of that. Like go out there and just like call your kid terrible (laughs) names and prepare them for the world in that way. But I think it's also like conversations, you know, and allowing also your kids or our kids to go through some experiences and allow them to process it first on their own rather than us telling them what our interpretation is of that experience. Right. You know, like even when you were just talking and you were like, oh, go play Simone. Don't be shy. Right. Because in our mind, we don't want our kids to be the shy one. Right. Right. We want them to go out there and expose and be social butterflies or, you know, whatever. But maybe her shyness is her um, absorbing, absorbing everything, observing things. Exactly. You know, maybe her intuition is saying, don't Don't, go play. Don't approach, right. But now mom, who I trust, is over here like, don't be shy, go play. And, you know, and that's crazy because now now you're setting up a dynamic where where your child doesn't trust their inner voice. And that's what I'm saying about being able to build that grit. You also have to help them understand their their inner voice. Like, if you tell me that you're afraid, okay, Mm -hmm. now what can we do with that, right? Maybe I start to show you that there's nothing to be afraid of, but I want to honor that you're afraid. It's our thoughts, right, where we're like, I don't want my kid to be no punk. Don't be afraid. It's only the dark. I don't know what's in your little imagination. Right. And, and, you know, to some degree, like, a lot of this stuff is unknown to them. Correct. So it's like, yeah, you can say it's only the dark. Because I've Cause, been cause experiencing the dark for exactly. as many years. Only 22 years. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, and we're telling somebody who's been on this earth three years, four years, to don't be afraid of this. There's something in you that's telling you to be afraid of it. Want to be able to honor that, right? And it makes us think of that book, right, that we both checked out, right? And it is The Conscious Parent by uh, Dr. Shafali. She is awesome. And this book is awesome. And she talks about that, like just being able to allow your kid to trust their own insides, trust their own inner thoughts, their own inner feelings. What's that gut feeling that you get? Right. Trust that instead of us kind of forcing our experiences and our Onto thoughts them. on them. And then yeah. like forcing them to react in the same way we react. And it's interesting because I think along the way, I feel like along the way we, we have a particular perspective and then we lose sight as the child gets older. Because I'm just thinking, again, like Simone is only <laughs> three, right? So... You know, when she's learning to walk and there's like a lot of stumbles and bumbles and it was really the the messaging or the mindset that we were in at that time is 
don't overreact when she falls right. because m- normally she's just going to get back up and try again. But if you make a big deal out of it, she might cry Correct. or she might like because because we're overreacting. We're making a big deal that you fell and you stubbed your toe or you mm-hmm. little you scraped your knee and, and and things of that nature versus, you know, OK, fast forward a few years and now somebody says something crazy and now you're you're getting upset because now you're internalizing whatever nonsense someone told your kid and you're reacting mm-hmm. based off of your own Ex- ego yeah, yeah yeah and experiences rather than see from your if your kid is even bothered by right, it before right. you get all hot in the chest and i think that as a parent that is really a challenge for me. I cannot speak for everybody else, even though I try to. <laughs> but being able to see things from your kid's perspective, like it sounds great when you talk about it on a podcast. It sounds amazing when you read it in a book. Mm-hmm. And then it seems impossible in practice. Yeah. Because, you know, the rest of the stuff gets in the way. You're tired, you're coming from work, etc. And right in that moment when your child is being what we perceive to be oppositional, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have the patience to deal with that. Just do what I say. And then we go right to our authority, authority, right? Um, But just to be able to be there and see it from their perspective, you know? I think I've told you in the past a story about Savannah and getting dressed in the morning. You know, when she was about three or four, you know, she was very strong-minded about what she wanted to wear. And one of the things she despised was jeans. Mm. She still despises jeans. jeans. She doesn't like denim, Mm. right? So she'll do a jeggings, you know, leggings. Softer material. Correct, but... And also, I think it's also that button and zipper area, which is really uncomfortable, you know? right. They should change that um, and still keep the regular quality of the jean. But anyway, I wanted her to wear jeans because it was cold outside. And jeans are, or denim is thicker than the leggings, right? So I'm like, oh, Savannah, wear these. No, I don't want to. So we're getting into a power struggle over jeans. Mm. And she's like, Mommy, it's not comfortable. I said, it's fine. You don't know, Mommy. You don't know how it feels for me. And in that moment, I was like, She's right. Right. How can I sit here and tell her what I know about what she believes or what she's experiencing is better or right and hers is wrong, right? So we put two pair of leggings on. But we could have... Could have nipped that in the bud from the very beginning, right? Hindsight is always twenty twenty, so I learned from that lesson, right? But to constantly go back to that knowledge every time, time it shows every up time, again right. is the challenge, right. right? To be able to be able to pause and be like, "Oh crap!" Like, am, right. what am I? I'm is am I showing up? Um, is my ego showing up here because I want to be in in control and what I say goes because. I'm the authority figure, and right. you're going to put these jeans on because I said to put I these jeans. Because I said so. I mean, these we jeans. also raised in that culture, right? Right, right. Do it because I said so. Right. And then even even if we go a step further and you provided a reason, a mm-hmm. leg- like it's cold outside. Like these pants are thicker to keep you warmer. And I'm expecting at four years old that like, she would get, get that. At, like, that oh, she okay. wouldn't even care. Like Right at four, that's not her worry. It's... What am I wearing all day that's going to make me comfortable? Right. These jeans that you're trying to make me wear is not. I want to be on the rug. And I want running, to do crisscross right. applesauce. And I can't with these jeans on. Exactly. You know? So she's very clear that that's not what she wants to wear. Yeah. And I think um, what, you know, Dr. Shafali, like the theme of, of the conscious parent um, is is to be able to 
minimize those power struggles by being more present in mm-hmm. just everyday interactions right. with your child and you know to think about okay like is it going to be the end of the world if she doesn't put jeans on yeah what's what's an alternative right. it's about um compromise actually she at, at at one section of the book she goes into like being able to find a middle ground mm-hmm. that serves both the parent and the child and I think she's she sets things up in terms of not having the hierarchy that right. the parent is the authority and the <laughs> child has to submit to whatever the parent contradicts says. everything that we've been taught yes right. it, like she's really pushing the boundaries and for you to like you you'll read it and you comprehend like you can understand the words that she's saying but conceptually you're just like mm, nah it's going right, to work because right. I think the way she presents it is the child and parent um, relationship is a partnership. Right. It's like you're in this together. Mm-hmm. There are going to be things that the parent has to teach the child, and there are also going to be things that the child teaches the parent. And Savannah teaches me something every single All the time. day if I let her. Right. Because it really is about that moment where you have to reflect after an experience with your kid. Yeah. Right. It's like, OK, what was that about? I always ask myself, who started this? <laughs> and it's usually me. Right. Right. It's me that starts it. It's almost like I am this persecutor on my kids sometimes when she's just being her genuine, authentic self and just trying to figure everything out. And me, I'm also trying to figure everything out. But as a parent. In my interactions with her, I act like I have it all figured out. Right. And I don't. And you don't. Right. And I think that's and I, that's another thing. Like, y'all just get out and just <laughs> and go get out and get the, get the book because we're just going to continue to ref- reference it throughout this conversation. But, um, you know, she, she sets things up as how important it is to show how fallible you are, mm-hmm. right? And that you don't have it figured out and that you're not this... Perfect. perfect adult who has everything put together and right. figured out. Because then now they're going to be afraid of making mistakes and messing up because they're looking to a source that never makes mistakes. Right. Like even the saying, mommy knows everything, daddy knows everything. Like that's our rebuttal for certain things. Yeah, But it's uh, so no. not true. Not true at all. And it comes from a place where we don't want to be the adult who says, I don't, I don't know. know. Right. Uh, somehow that has become a saying for like weakness, uh, weakness. Right. Or right. or that um, you know you don't you actually don't know what you're doing as a parent, so it, it kind of sets it up like then you you question why they would listen to you if you actually it's said judgment. you didn't know. It's all about judgment, right? Because it's like okay, if I'm the parent and I don't know, then I'm judging myself for being somebody who doesn't know, and I don't want my kid to think that I don't know or that I'm not smart, I'm not informed, that I don't have a handle on oh. this whole mommy thing, right? As if. A kid would even pay attention to that. Yeah, and it, because, you know, when your kid is born, they don't send you home with a handbook, like, uh, say, okay, congratulations. Wait, so Here. hold on, time out. Yeah. What to expect when expecting? Okay. That's not the, no, that's it, not the it handbook? Ain't. It ain't. With the little white no. lady in the rocking no. chair and no. the baby that's it, all? No. No? No. No. That's not. Because <laughs> they hand it out like it is. You, you get that as a gift at every baby shower. 
you want to pass the book down. Look, I read it from my first kid. So when you have yours, you've got to read what to expect when expecting. Do you know that I rarely reference that book, but instead I called my mama or I called my, you know, daughter's grandmother. But I I feel like (laughs) I feel like that's that's where you go, because I'm not going to go and flip through a book and I'm trying to be like, okay, well, what color poop? What does this mean? Like, you know, when you just have a kid. Um, But. What was I saying? I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. We were just talking about that there's no handbook for it, right? When right. you're thinking and about a judgment and having this whole mommy okay. thing down pat. Now I'm back on track. <laughs> Got you. you yeah, thank you. Thank you. So you need to be able to, I, I feel like, constantly be flexible as a, a parent and being able to adjust because I think a lot of times, like even with with children like they're they're progressing every day mm-hmm. and like what from one year to the next is completely different like i was just talking maybe a few months ago um to one of my my girlfriends who just had her baby maybe um in march right mm-hmm. um and i was just like oh you know like oh your baby's so cute and she's so light and and at, at one point like i i missed that, that stage, moment, that like, stage, like right. the little, you know, they're like just cooing and blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like, yeah, I just, I missed it for like a little bit. Good. A little bit. Cause I was <laughs> like, no, cause now I can actually have a conversation with Simone. And that, like, for me, for my motherhood experience, that was a game changer because now I don't have to sit there and, and decipher cries and is go, she wet? is she, she thirsty? Is she hungry? Does she just, not like, do you want the light off? I, right. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you want me to change the channel? Like, exactly. Like, it could be anything. Um, <laughs> I know it's so unrealistic, right? But that's how it does. how your mind works. Correct. Correct. It's just like, you don't want to watch the. What <laughs> was I watching? Oh, no. Different world. I went. I oh. watched the whole season when she was an infant. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because like, I just had tons of time. Right, right, right. Um, but anyway, like being flexible and being um, and always being able to adjust and not necessarily take anything that's in a book or any other parent for as gospel. Right. You can take it in and take it into consideration, but it's not a, a say all be all, you know. And I think, again, we've been taught that there's these specific sources, right, for information and we actually can pull information from different places, different people, different experiences, different cultures, right? And and then get the answers that we need, you know? Man, listen. Motherhood? That's a trip. It's the best lesson, meaning that it provides so many opportunities for learning, you know? And in reading The Conscious Parent, it raises your awareness even more, right? So as we talk about even how to build you know, this grit or this confidence so that, you know, our kids can trust themselves and, you know, accept them for who they are. I think one other thing to do in addition to being, you know, uh, flexible, Mm -hmm. right, is to stay away from comparison. Yes. Right? And, I mean, sometimes I do that. I compare my kid to another kid to get my kid to behave, and it is the worst thing that I could ever do. It's a setup. It's, it's just nothing setup. but a setup. One day it dawned on me that the kid that I'm actually comparing my child to is two years older. So now I'm putting the bar up higher than what my child developmentally can do. do. Right. 
because this kid, in my perception, is a better listener. Right. Doesn't say no or, you know, whatever. Right. So that comparison is really important, you know, to stay away from. Yeah, no, because I, and I think, you know, I I think a lot about, um, like, how you deal with yourself and Mm -hmm. how you process, like, are you, do you find yourself comparing yourself to other people? Right. And then, therefore, that's why you start comparing your, your kid, kid to, to other, other kids. kids. Something so simple where it's like, look at the other kids. They're playing. Mm-hmm. You're then, I'm then telling my kid, because I'm going to speak from the eye, right? But I'm then telling my kid, be like everybody else. Do Follow what they're doing mm-hmm. rather than go over there and play when you're ready. And it's so crazy because, you know... Fast forward a few years, and you're gonna. The, what's the message gonna be? Oh well, if so and so jumps off, off of a, a bridge, you gonna do it too? And they're gonna say, and Savannah, knowing her mind, she's gonna say, actually, mother, I am because you told me to do what everybody else was doing. You told me, look at all the other kids playing. And and how contradictory? How confusing is that? And then we then later let's now go fast forward to a teenager. And even when we're like, why doesn't this kid have it together? Because we confuse the hell out of them. Yeah, that's why. Because they don't know which message to take to take and to apply in what moment. Because we we muddled muddied the waters, and so that now the messaging is all jacked all up. Jacked up, right? So I think that's also one way. And how do you like you know just teach a kid how to trust themselves, right? We have to honor their voice, but then get them to honor, you know, their own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the in the conscious parent, you know, when we give our kids compliments about really what we think. Oh, well, that's pretty. Oh, well, I don't think that looks right together. Or that doesn't match. I'm now practicing to ask my child, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of her saying, oh, look at this. And I say, oh, okay. What you think? Mm-hmm. Instead of telling her what I think first, because right. I feel like I steal her her thought. Right. By doing right. Because then she's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm gonna think what mommy thinks right. about this. No, Correct. that's so that's so um, interesting. And then even with just the just instilling confidence in your children, and as, especially when it comes to appearance, and particularly for little black girls, right? And you know, I feel like in the last 10 years or so, within the last 10 years or so, there's been this trend of, you know, how to talk to little girls, like mm-hmm. just little uh, universal, how to talk to little girls and to stay away from telling them how cute they are, how pretty they are, yeah, how beautiful, totally. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, try to engage with them on they what they think. read, how they think, and blah, blah, blah. Decisions that they Exactly, made. Right. exactly. And I think some of those, but some of those perspectives, right, I feel like it's, they, they're coming at it as either or. Like you can't do, you can't do comments on their appearance at all. And I'm not so sure that that makes sense. Yeah, well, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't think we could stay I feel like away you, from you, them. You, 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 I feel like everything within moderation, right? Correct. A balance of both. A balance of telling them that they're beautiful or your hair looks cute in a bun. I don't see any issue with that as long as it's being 
coupled and combined with, oh, I think you're so funny or that was clever. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I like how you put, you know, this Lego house together. All that stuff. I feel like it's all equally important. So I feel like all of those messages should be given consistently and it, it shouldn't be one over the other and one shouldn't be determined by behavior either exactly that is all separate Mm -hmm. it's yeah because when you i mean i know someone who growing up they received nothing but compliments Mm -hmm. about how they look Mm -hmm. right and now Mm -hmm. this person is in their 20s and all they focus on is how they look they can't figure out like what kind of career they want to have they don't think that they're the smartest person they compare themselves to their siblings and now they have another sibling who pretty much got compliments about how she thinks but Mm -hmm. not about how she looks she got criticized about how she looked because she was on the heavier side so always encouraged to be active Mm -hmm. and why don't you walk up the stairs instead of taking the elevator right so these little criticisms that would be shot at her right right Fast forward, she's now in her 20s as well, and she now embraces how beautiful she looks, Mm -hmm. but she also embraces how intelligent she is and how she can make really great decisions, right? So when we ourselves as those parents lack confidence in ourselves about certain things, then we impose that, you know, on our kids. Think about the kids that you've seen who at four, three years old has extensions in their hair. Yeah, that's... Because you don't want your kid to be seen as the kid with no head, your bald-headed baby. Babies, it's okay for yeah, babies to they, be bald-headed. Their little the follicles hairs, and everything grow have in. not even fully it's, developed. Yeah, Come on. they're still growing. Right? So I've seen that perms early. Early, early. Look, my mom did not have conversations with me about my body, about my hair. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with girls whose hair texture was different than mine. Mm -hmm. But I would try to emulate their hairstyles, you know, their hair uh, hygiene. Mm -hmm. So I was bumping my hair with curling iron, spraying hairspray on it to get that big old bang. Little did I know that they were actually using them little pink curlers with the little (laughs) almost like parchment paper wrapped around it because their hair was thicker than mine. So my hair wasn't going to set in that little roller. Right. 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 But I know anything about flexi rods or anything. I was trying to get, now I'm dating myself but French rolls and finger waves and all types of stuff that just was not meant for my hair. But I was just trying to discover. Trying to fit in. I was trying to figure it all out and fit in. And fit in. Because that's, I feel like that's paramount. Nobody had the curly hair. In the the childhood experience, right? Right. Because you don't want to be that outlier, the person that's so different. Now it's, you don't want to be the one with the perm. Yeah, because like how just <laughs> everybody how has, has gone natural. It's like, oh, you you still got a permit? Now we're judging. Now, yeah, yeah. Now there's judgment. But like, listen, everybody <laughs> do it out. It's the, everybody it's do what they want to do with their hair, and you know, don't it. try to fit other people into your box. Mm-hmm. Like, and 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 you know what? That other, that other. <laughs> Why'd you have to go there? Because I was just about to say the person could be your kid too. And now you just oh, made it really dirty. From the well, box. So. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. right. Okay. Anyway. Scene. Um Yeah, so I think I think it's all in terms of parenthood, being able to just check yourself 
and determine if you're projecting like your own stuff onto your kid at any possible given moment. Yeah. But you know what though, Marguerite, it's crazy because we do this talk and I even think about at my job. Oh. I train staff and I talk to them about the kids. But I often bring up how this is just about human behavior, that this is just about how to treat a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, we have a different level of care and concern for little people because they can't defend themselves. Right. But we should still have that kind of same care, compassion and patience and those reflecting moments. Right. Those moments of reflection when I'm dealing with an adult that I have to say, wait a minute, before I say something to my partner about X, Y and Z. What am I projecting? Exactly. What is my story? What am I pushing? Because the same thing that I would do with my partner, I would do with my kid because the common denominator is me. Right. So until I can fix up whatever is unsettled or, you know, those insecurities or whatever, it shows up everywhere. Right. You know, but we, we've been taught to, again, separate it. Kids. Adults, when it's just all human yeah, behavior. All human experience and yeah. all human interaction and communication. Right. right. And right, we should just take the same level of care that we do with children with one another. Like, how, how crazy is that? That we actually have to say it and be like, hmm. I never yes, thought about You're on to something. <laughs> Those damn adults. <laughs> they need love too. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, no. So, I mean, I think that that's a conversation to be had, right? It's yeah. Maybe another episode we yeah. get down on how we need to practice those same uh, principles with adults as we do with Yeah, because I think, people. like, even with that, I think it's just, like, on the surface, it's like, well, you should be able to process or handle your negative emotions. Should. Should. Mm. I just shit it on myself, Don't right? Anyway. Messy. Yeah. Um, be able to process your emotions and manage your reaction in a in a manner you have that's to be taught how better to do that. than how a child would do those things. And that's the crazy thing is because then we believe that because you're an adult, you've had certain experiences where you should mm-hmm. have learned how to manage your emotions. But what if not? What if you didn't? Right. What if or I if never there's did? there's a gap. What right. if there was you're a missing. huge gap? And how I managed my emotions was to drink alcohol mm-hmm. or have sex or smoke or whatever because that's how I was able to cope mm-hmm. right, with something. And then we're like, you're grown. You should act better than that. You should know better. You, where would, you didn't where did I get guidance. the lesson? You didn't get the, the, the guidance. So until you know my story and you know where I've been and what I've been through, you can't sit here and say, well, you're 37. You should know how to act. Can't no 42-year-old man be acting like that and be in my house? Well, what did this 42-year-old right. man go what through were, in what life? What was his experience? Right. Right. Because it all, it all will make sense. Like once you learn people's story or the story behind their their actions or you know the previous the the list of uh, previous actions you're like okay well damn you can have compassion yeah right and and it brings back to what you mentioned with chris rock and the tambourine right Right. because he said that in the house is filled with love and compassion and empathy and on the outside right the outside world on the other side of the doors Those are actually the things that the world is missing right right that compassion and that empathy and you know 
teaching that to our young people as we talk about curl fest and everything and accepting the hair and just accepting ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's a piece of that is that compassion, you know, that love, that self-love. That's what we have to be pouring in. And those things build upon one another. Mm -hmm. And that's where that confidence comes in. Yeah. And I think all that stuff is super important, especially when there's differences, Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you and I aren't the same or somebody looks different or likes different things, likes different foods, likes different music. Pretty much everybody. You're not going to be you're not going to like everything that somebody else likes. Like it's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. So being able to still have love and compassion and all all this stuff for somebody that's different than you Mm -hmm. and that it's okay. And that you you don't have to love somebody just because they like the same music. Right. That actually doesn't add variety right. to life. Right. Might as and well it be, limits your perspective. Yeah. What was that movie where like the all the wives were exactly the same? They were like these The Stufford wives? Yes. Yeah. See? We everybody yes. be like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And the, and there's a there's the the Twilight Zone. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. Really? Yeah. So the Twilight Zone. Shoot, I don't know the name of the episode, but at some point in your life, like I don't know, like twenty or or puberty, you you get to pick out like the model body. Oh wow! That that you're gonna be in, and there was only like two options for you to to choose from because everybody was the same and there's this one, the woman she didn't really wow want she, one of she the she just other. wanted to be herself that's scary though i could, it is. It you is. know it's the modern day twilight zone black mirror on netflix yes black mirror let me see do they have i've i think i've watched all of them i'm trying to think if they they I'm deal learning with a lot about you and what you find interesting like that, i didn't that is, know yeah, that yeah. you were into yeah that. that's sci-fi yeah weirdness yeah so wait so you watch stranger things no i haven't i only watched season 1 of stranger things i'm behind oh, on stranger things yeah but <laughs> I I do like what I'm huge on right now, dark. Sci-fi. Sci-fi is dubbed in English. It's like a German. It's on Netflix. Two seasons. Dope. I think you hear crickets on my end. I, it's, like, a, it's all right. That's all right. I just I've just been whoever will listen, I tell them about it. So so now y'all listening. So watch check out dark. dark. Exactly. Um I don't even know how we got there. Oh, differences. <laughs> differences. That's how we got there. And just accepting <laughs> ourselves. So we're going to wrap up and just remind us all to accept yourself. And the more that you explore within yourself, the more you can also allow your kid to explore who they are and love who they are and all of their differences. Right. right? And and not have any limits or boundaries on it because it's different from what your experience is. Right. And we got to stop being so controlling and really deal with the inner baby that's inside of us. Right. The little kid that just didn't get what they wanted or get, you know, who didn't feel smart enough or whatever. Right. Got to deal with that. Got to deal with that. That's how you can also show up and be a conscious person. Yes. And now it's time for tea time. So I'm going to kick things off. The tea for today's episode is together. Dr. Shafali teaches us that we should approach parenthood as a partnership um, and that we look at it as 
we're all part of the human experience, right? And we're all in this together. We're tethered. Did y'all see us? We're tethered together in this human experience. So T is for together. And the E is for ego. You have to let it go. You have to let your ego run free. Get the hell out of here. Okay? Because when we're wrapped up in our ego, we cannot allow our children to be who they are authentically. And the A is for attend to your inner triggers, which may be tied to your own childhood experiences, right? And I wanted to add on to the A with a quote from the conscious parent that we've been referencing this entire episode. How can we raise another human being, another spirit, if our own being has been largely dismissed, our spirit systematically squelched? Jeep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Think about it. And we are going to close out with another quote from Dr. Shafali's book. And we must remember that there is no need to treat our unconsciousness as if it were the boogeyman. It's nothing to be frightened of, but it is the portal to our development into whole human beings. Thanks so much for listening. If you hadn't already put two and two together, you should go out and get this book, The Conscious Parent by Dr. Shafali Sabari. Um, It's really good and eye-opening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to however you listen to this podcast because it is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Hot 97. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, if only, right? Putting it into the universe. <laughs> and YouTube. And be sure, you know what's coming. Y'all know what's coming. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at N-E-C-E-S-S-I underscore T-E-A underscore podcast. Thanks for listening.